I didn't want to owe anybody money. And I also didn't want to have to like have my business be a certain way. I wanted to be able to kind of fail gracefully and, you know, fail by myself if I was going to. You are now tuned in to the On The Revel podcast. We're talking cannabis, business, and culture. Breaking down the legal cannabis industry for the people. My people, my people, my people. Hosted by Jacoby Holland. Real, Real talk, talk. Dope, dope people. people. You know the vibes. 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 What's up, beautiful people? We appreciate you joining us today on another episode of Dope People. I'm your host, Jacoby Holland. We have a dope episode today. It's really going to challenge my uh, language skills here. I'm going to do my best, but you guys hold me accountable if I get this right. So today, we have May Fuyan. Damn it! <laughs> I was practicing this whole time. All right, May Fuyano Po, who is a nurse practitioner. And she's also a founder of Aaliyah Cannabis App. Today, we're going to be talking about the craziness of starting a company. And I'm really excited because we're talking about it from the perspective of someone from the Pacific Islands. So we're in the building today. We're excited for this one. And we're happy to have you guys here. What's up, Rebel fam? We're back in the building. Another Wednesday, 7 p.m. Like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, follow us on YouTube. We love you. We're glad to be back here today with you all. We have a very exciting episode as Jacoby just went over. But first, let's check in with the lovely Lulu. What's up, Lou? I am recovering a little bit from Hall of Flowers. Was in Santa Rosa last week. Really awesome to connect back with the cannabis community. Came back on Friday and thought of you, Jacoby. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, is this what Jacoby and introverts feel like when they're around that many people? When I'm just um, done, I'm completely <laughs> done talking. I felt you. I was channeling you. <laughs> I also want to say congratulations, Jacoby, on your engagement. Ladies, he is off the market. I hear all hearts breaking around the world. Um, but, right. but he... <laughs> But he did it. He he did it really, really well and really, really smooth. So, um, congratulations! You Thank are, you. yeah. Little brother is is engaged. This is amazing. Yep. You know, just building a, another relationship on into the into forever. Like my <laughs> rebel fam is a, another relationship because you guys really, really helped me pull that one off. So and I. Yeah, you worked real hard, but I, I kind of, I think you, you strategically planned it so you'd be in Mexico when, when I was out of Mexico. I know, I know. Just the way <laughs> it happens. I was like, God, you've been telling me to come for literally like 12 months. Of COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, but we made so, it happen. But it was really nice to, uh, to see the cannabis community getting together in Northern California. You know, Hall of Flowers did a really beautiful job. And, you know, it was really nice to be hosted by our other partners, Flower Hire. So shout out to Flower Hire and Hall of Flowers. It was a really nice landing right back into the cannabis space. So, but, you know, now we're getting ready for New York and really interested to hear about a state that we don't really hear a lot about, um, which is Hawaii and the cannabis program there. So I met this woman, a magical woman in Hawaii in 2018. We only invite magical women. It's true. If you're not a magical woman, it's hard to get on the show. (laughs) 
But May is is literally an inspiration and one of the leaders in the Hawaii medical cannabis space. So um, May, we would love to invite you to join and tell us your story. Hi, May. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you. Your background far exceeds all three of ours. It looks beautiful. I know. I'm just like on my, I'm on my little, like little, my lanai, my little front porch. So it has good lighting. It's great. It's beautiful lighting. <laughs> light flex, light flex. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, it's really awesome to have you on here. Like Lulu was saying, like we don't really talk about Hawaii that much from us on the mainland over here, which, you know, is probably a shame. We're over here on the East Coast living in our own bubbles. Sometimes I'm really kind of excited to hear about your journey and how you're able to build. You you were a first. You know, I think of those people that when like YouTube videos come up and they're always like first, first. Like you did a lot of things first. You did a lot of really cool stuff. So I want to get into that. And just understanding like the craziness of you entrepreneurs and like what goes through your brain and some of the decisions you got to make. So let's kick it off. You first started the clinic, right? So tell me first about like what it took to open the clinic. What makes you guys different? Just a little background on the clinic. I've always wanted to work in uh, the cannabis space, but in cannabis and the healthcare, you know, I've, I've done a lot in cannabis. I've um, been into distribution. I've grown for medical cannabis dispensaries while I was in California, but I really wanted to use my license. I really wanted to do it, you know, as a nurse practitioner. So uh, basically, in 2016, uh, Drug Policy Forum and some of the other activists here in Hawaii passed legislation, you know, lobbied for legislation to allow nurse practitioners to practice because until then, it was just medical doctors. So in July, Governor Ige, he he signed the bill and and I opened six weeks later. One of the things where I think that that nurses um, and nurse practitioners uh, specifically are different than our physician colleagues is that we have such a huge foundation in educating patients and empowering patients. And I feel like with cannabis, that's that's one of the hugest things that we can do is education and empowerment because it's really so individualized. It's really best if people kind of, you know, you give them guidance, but they, you know, self-titrate. Yeah, totally. To find a dose, right? Can you define titrate for our audience quickly? You hear a lot about like, start low and slow, but it's like, what does that actually mean? Like, what does that look like? For some people, you know, a low dose is two milligrams. For other people, a low dose is 20 milligrams. So it's like this huge range. So titration actually means to start, you know, a defined low dose. So in my clinic, we started two milligrams. And then you would just increase by one milligram incrementally. So kind of teaching people how how to do that. So that's the goal of titration is slowly increasing until you reach, you know, like, we call it the sweet spot. Everybody has that like, perfect with whatever they're using everybody has a perfect dose oh yeah that's one of the things lulu will make fun of me for like once i'm done with people 
I know exactly how much I'm going to take of my edibles and then I'm going to sit and play Xbox and not want to talk to anybody for hours. And I got that dialed in. I know exactly what I'm going to do. But it's interesting because I came from Colorado. Yeah. I came from Colorado and I got to New York like six, seven years ago. And I like, I buy like a Rice Krispie treat and I'm like, how strong is this? They're like, it'll get you pretty high. And I was like, no, no, no. I've crossed over. I can't go back to just like rolling the dice on what type of high I'm going to get. Like I've, I've come too far. Absolutely. No, same. Like I know exactly what like works perfectly for me. And, and, you know, over that I start to get weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you had actually quite a vast experience in cannabis before you even kind of shot your shot for the clinic. So can you explain actually before that stuff happened? Like you grew up, I believe in Missouri, right? Or that's where your family ended up moving to when you were young or something like that. I don't think that Missouri was extremely liberal with cannabis back in the day. So like, how did you get into all of this? And what was your journey to California and then back to uh, Hawaii? Yeah, so I'm Samoan. My my last name is Puimono. So my family actually like led this revolution of uh, Latter Day Saints of of Mormons from Samoa to Missouri. So that was the goal. This was my great grandfather's quest. He started it. It was uh, fulfilled by my grandfather and wow. his um, siblings and their descendants. So they went from Samoa, from Mapsungafo, which is like a Mormon village in Samoa that my family helped to found to here, to uh, Laie. So if anybody you know knows about Laie, I'm sure you know about Kahuku football. It's the high school program that produces the most NFL players um, in the nation. And so wow. that's the high school my dad went to. <laughs> and then we, my family specifically was a little different in that most of my family went to Los Angeles, but we actually went to the Bay Area. We were there for a decade because of my grandmother's sister. So we are part of the Bay Area Samoa Collective. My uncle founded Flag Day there. And then... Um, what did your uncle found? So Flag Day. So Flag Day is like a Samoan independent festival that it's pretty, it's like a Samoan holiday. And so he founded the one in San Francisco and it's still like going to this day. You got a lot of dopeness in your family. You got a bunch of dopeness in your family before you even started. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I just like followed in their you were footsteps. Destined. Yeah. Um, Yes. Um, So their whole entire goal was to move to Missouri, right? Because if you are Mormon, you know, part of Mormonism is that Missouri is where the second coming is going to happen and where the New Jerusalem will be. So it's part of this prophecy from Joseph Smith. And so, you know, that's why my family moved all the way from Samoa, South Pacific to Missouri. Because I know it sounds weird. Like, wait, there's a bunch of Samoans in Missouri. And yeah, like if, <laughs> if, if you look at the census, I think the last census, there was over 10,000, which is pretty big considering we're like a small population worldwide. 
Is it like Dominicans in New York? <laughs> Where there's like more Dominicans yes. in New York? <laughs> I know Peter's yeah, laughing at so, me for that one. <laughs> right? No, legit, legit. There's um, So it's more, I would say, yeah, very similar. So the biggest Samoan population outside of Samoa is actually in Auckland, New Zealand. But I would say that Missouri is like, it's pretty close. There's a lot of us. So that's how, you know, all these Polynesians ended up there uh, was really. So if, if you hear someone who's like Samoan, Tongan, Hawaiian say that they're from Missouri, probably nine out of 10, their their family's Mormon. So, yeah. So I, I grew up in this super close knit Samoan Mormon community in the middle of nowhere, middle of Missouri. And started, you know, using weed as, uh, you know, when I was like high school, not too much. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I imagine that that is pretty radical. You're talking about two different cultures here. So I want you to break it down from both cultures. Samoan, how like integrated is cannabis plant medicine? And then Latter-day Saints world, that sounds pretty radical. Probably like a straight no-no. Like... How were you experimenting this early? And like, what were those two cultures thinking about this? So, you know, I, of course, was trying it with my friends. And they essentially, like, my parents, my aunties, my uncles, the leadership of my church was all like, this is wrong. You know, because at that time, it was really looked on same way, like alcohol, tobacco, you know, seen as like a drug. Right. But since then, you know, the Mormon church actually changed its stance on on cannabis, I want to say probably four years ago. And so, you know, they were actually a big part of helping medical cannabis pass in Salt Lake um, in Utah. And and as far as my family, so, you know, before I even opened my clinic, uh, you know, my father passed away. So I, I went to all of his, you know, siblings and like essentially asked permission. This is what I want to do. You know, even though I'm like grown, you're never, you're never grown. <laughs> when you come from a family of dopeness, <laughs> a family of dopeness, it sounds like you got to go get like the dope approval, <laughs> literally. from everybody. You have to get, you have to get like, literally like signed off so I, I went to like you know my our matriarch who, who's my auntie she's now like the leader of my family she's the oldest person alive in my family and you know just like really explain to her what I was doing and then my uncle her husband was like, oh, I know, I know all about that because his family is actually super famous for growing cannabis in Samoa. And when his grandson was in Samoa on a mission, his family got busted for growing cannabis. So. <laughs> oh, wow. More family right? stories. This is crazy. Yeah. So, so like really just asking them permission and like getting that like approval you know and going through you know they're all like very traditional still you know it's like so was there any objection a little bit because they were more like scared that i, I wasn't going to be safe safe you how? know like, like it what was, was safe to like, them you know like is this drug 
drug dealers, are they going to come rob you like that kind of, <laughs> you know, like that more like that type of concern? Mm -hmm. Who's going to be with you in your clinic? Is your husband going to be there? Who's going to like more like who's going to protect you and and not really that like understanding of, you know, that cannabis is actually really safe and the culture is very safe. So I think, you know, just some of that, like a little bit of that misunderstanding. And so, you know, we just like hashed it out and I got their blessing. So it was about the, just the safety of going into like something that has historically been kind of violent, pretty violent. It was that part. It wasn't like the idea of like, Hey, I'm going to be cultivating or like selling this plant that has been like shunned for so long. That second part didn't like come up at all. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm mainly like a gatekeeper. And so that was one of the things too, cause I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to be selling it. I'm going to be more just like helping people gain access and use it. And I also think that they were like, you've worked so hard you like have this amazing job at this super prestigious hospital like why are you doing this okay so i think there was that too yeah yeah totally so let's talk about why on earth would you do this when you had such a prestigious great job and talk to me about like those first couple days of like had you ever started a business? Like you had to make a business plan or something? Did you have to like go get licensed in Hawaii? Give me those first like 100 days, like what you had to do and and why you, you gave up that prestigious career. I knew that from the beginning, I didn't want investors. I wanted to do it by myself. And for, you know, a lot of reasons, but myself personally, I didn't want to owe anybody money. And I also didn't want to have to like, have my business be a certain way. I wanted to be able to kind of fail gracefully and, you know, fail by myself if I was going to. So me and my husband had been saving to, to buy a house here in Hawaii. So I was like, you know, we have this little nest egg. It wasn't like, it wasn't even huge. It, it was like, you know, 10 grand. And so I was like, I want to take this and I'm going to open up. I want to open my business. So it was like a couple steps. So, you know, starting, we got like our local business license here in Hawaii. That was pretty simple. And then with the federal government, we got like our EIN. Um, so we got like our tax identification number. I was super lucky because uh, one of my best friends is an attorney and she had represented a couple of cannabis companies that got in trouble in California. So she was basically like, this is what everyone gets in trouble for. Don't do this. You know, shout out that's to Jenny. Shout you. out to Jenny. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that's important. That's a good yes. friend. Yeah. So she was essentially like, this is how people got get in trouble. Um, so, you know, right away we had like attorneys and then um, I hired an accountant to just kind of help, like basically to start it. And, you know, of course I started it wrong. I started like as an LLC instead of an S-Corp, you know, like made like mistakes, but. I've made those mistakes too. 
right? Uh, But I stayed working at my job for a full year before I left. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm like, I totally thought that I was going to open my clinic and be booked out every day. Like, of course, right? Like, of course, of course, that's like, you open your doors and everyone's just going to see how amazing you are. And like, flood the floodgates are open but um yeah no um so i i paid the the bills for my clinic with my regular job solidly for the first eight months how did that go with your husband because you were already like you already took that little bit of capital put it here now you're putting your salary like what was going on at, at home yeah, so I mean, like, luckily, I have an amazing, I have an amazing husband, an amazing partner, and an amazing daughter, and so they were super supportive. But I couldn't have done it without them, and and without my family. So you know, I have this huge extended family in Oahu, and so you know, my first employees were my family. Like, literally, it was me my husband and then my nephew actually moved from new york he's back in new york um he came here and and lived with me for a year and like helped me set up my set up my clinic set up my front desk we started in a pop-up um you know so we didn't even really have like a you know we were like a pop-up location um you know we had hours uh what like two days a week so I worked my normal job five days a week and then did two, two days a week at my clinic. Got you. Got you. Okay. Yeah. This, the family just that keeps on giving. My goodness. They sound amazing. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Talk for to sure. me about like how you were able to market your services to people. You kind of thought, Ooh. I'll just open it up and then like people will come. And then it sounds like you're kind of like rudely awakened to like, oh, I got to like, get people here. So what are like those first couple things that you were doing that maybe weren't working or things that you learned that started to work for you? Yeah. And I, and I think like instantly I figured out cause I was like, Oh, I'm just going to like do Facebook ads. I'm going to do Google ads. I'm just going to do like all these things that they tell you in normal business. Right. So of course I immediately got banned from Facebook immediately got banned and deleted from Instagram. Been there before as well. Same with Google. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I'm not even selling cannabis. Like I'm not even selling the plant. So that was like this huge rude awakening into where I was like, great. Like I'm banned from all these platforms right now. You know, before it was like even cool to get banned. <laughs> You know, before getting banned was like this mark of honor. I feel like everyone in cannabis, like we've been getting banned for the past decade. Like, yeah, we get it. There's nothing cool about it. Yeah, it just, no, it just sucks. Um, And so I was like, okay, I'm getting constantly banned. What's, what's next? So then I was like, let me try radio. So there hadn't been like any like, cannabis commercials in Hawaii on um, for iHeart, you know, like the iHeart radio station locally. And I knew that one of the DJs, Hawaiian Ryan, was like a 
super proud cannabis connoisseur. So I like basically went to them and was like, hey, can I work with you? And they were like, absolutely. So we had like the first like cannabis commercials on air on like uh, 93.9, which is like our big radio station out here. They like got me on all their shows. Um, And so of course, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm on radio. This is the first. It's like super revolutionary. The floodgates are open, right? I was like, of course. This is it. <laughs> so it brought in some people, but not like a ton, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even though they're like, everyone listens to radio, but that doesn't necessarily transfer over to sales. So, like, I imagine prior to this, you had never made a radio ad in your life. So like, did you like write the script yourself? Did you perform it yourself? Like, (laughs) how did you do this thing that you've never done before and then send it to thousands of people on the radio? Yeah, no. So like, luckily, shout out to Hawaiian Ryan. He's still like, he's one of my good friends. He totally did everything. It was amazing. Their team was amazing. They like, handled it for me because otherwise I would have just been like, "Eh." yeah, I want to know where to start. Shout out to Hawaiian Ryan. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. So, and he's amazing. He has like a really popular morning show out here. And then, you know, of course they would have me on like their morning show and I would like be their guest and, but it just didn't like translate to so i i did it for a year did radio ads for a year but it didn't totally get me the action what what really got me sales and this is because we i'm in hawaii like i'm on an and literally an island was we started doing events so like if you were having an event whether it was cannabis centric or not I would just show up with like my table, my pop tent and just give out information. Um, So we did everything from AIDS walk to the Epilepsy Foundation to the AHI, the Hawaii Invitational, which is one of our cannabis cups to Hawaii Cannabis Expo. Like you name it, if a person could benefit from cannabis who was in your circle we showed up and then I also like hit up all of the professional organizations and asked if I could present about cannabis so um, I presented at like Queens Medical Center, Straub, the big cannabis nursing conference so I just started like really working on building relationships um, with other healthcare providers and and other people who could benefit from cannabis. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I like that a lot because a lot of people, I mean, like you said, an island is a bit different. So maybe you were forced to do this. But a lot of people out here will stay inside of the cannabis circle. Right. And it's like people going into an echo chamber yeah. in their communities to talk about things and try to market things. And what you did, what it sounds like, is you found people that had like, overlapping cannabis consumers, right? Like people in, you know, this group that there's going to be some people that need marijuana in their lives in this group and in this group and in this group. And you just catch all the people that overlap. And I think that is surprisingly 
more rare to like some of the entrepreneurs I talk to out here. I'm like, dude, get out of the cannabis world. Like, go, there's weed smokers in yeah. all of the other worlds, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I feel like the cannabis space, it's like, I know that they're like, they're my friends. They're going to come to me. They're going to tell their friends about me. So, yeah, we just like, we are probably doing two to three events a month every month for a solid probably two to three years. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. All right. So and, it and started to work. Start, yeah, it worked. Okay. All right. So we've hit, you know, year two at this point, right? Like it's kind of clicked. You're not paying for your job with your salary directly. It's starting to make its own revenue. It's growing. People know about you in the in the area. But then at some point after that, you decided to start another thing. Right? So <laughs> talk to me about at what point in the first business did you decide to do the other thing? And then tell me what the other thing is. Yeah. So I didn't even realize that like entrepreneurs solve problems, but I saw this consistent problem in the cannabis space and the consistent problem was dosing you know any of us could go on like twitter instagram reddit tiktok and and find a story about somebody who took too much cannabis typically too much thc and had a bad experience and so after seeing like all these people coming to me and being like, yeah, but I won't do edibles because this happened. I, and, and I mean, like if I had a dollar for every brownie story, I could like have a down payment for a house because it's the most famous story, yep. ironically. But it's mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's brownies are dangerous. Don't don't do it. If somebody offers you a brownie, just be like, I'm good. Thank you. So that's kind of like where the the problem started so we started filming videos we started like making videos and making like little pamphlets for our patients on on like how to titrate how to dose and then i got invited to the ahi so the ahi is the all hawaii invitational so it's like our local emerald cup very small it's invitation it's hence the All Hawaii Invitational. So it's invite only. Um, and it's all of Hawaii's growers, typically versus uh, mainland growers. So we go head to head against, um, you know, people from, you know, Oregon, California, Washington, there's been people from New York there. So kind of, you know, all over the United States, they come together for this like all day type festival. So I'm there with you know my good friends, my nephew. We meet this guy, Mo, and his friend. And his friend has never been to a cannabis competition, has has no idea. Oh no. Really. Oh no. What he's Mo. gotten himself into. <laughs> oh Mo. And, and I'm like, oh, so you know, we end up, you know, me, Mo, my nephew, loading his poor friend into the car, rolling down the windows because he's miserable. He's like spinning. He's nauseous. He feels horrible. He ends up like throwing up 
passing out for like six hours, right? So like once we get him settled, Mo's back at my table and I'm just like, oh man, your poor friend, like, you know, if he would have just like maybe chilled a little on like whatever, mainly dads, he would probably be cool. And then, you know, that evolves into like, what do you do? And he's like, Oh, I make apps. And I was like, Oh, and he's like, I told him what I did. And I was like, I've been wanting to do a dosing app. And ah, that's like, where it all started. That makes sense. I was like, sense. look at your poor friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And so then you're like, I want to do this dosing app because look, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You had never built an app before or an app business. Talk to me about the first like 100 days there. Like that's a completely different undertaking. It's a completely different world. So I did it with Mo and Philippe. They're amazing. So they had like their business together. They are business partners. And they're essentially, you know, like, hey, we can do this. It's going to be 10 grand. It'll take us you know, six months, we got it, right? And then we start and it's like, oh, wait a second. So we start, we're building it. And as we're kind of like mid build, Mo and Philippe both got hired by Google. <laughs> so my entire team is yeah. like, essentially we have this great harmony. We're like almost there. Mo gets hired by Google, moves to San Francisco, Felipe gets hired by Google and moves to Germany. And so I'm like, ah! Wow. So we finish it, like, but it's not like, it doesn't have all the features that I want, right? And Mo and Felipe are no longer there to like update it, tweak it, help with it. So I have, and Apple rejected us. So I have an app that's on Google Play, but it's not like exactly what I want, right? So then I spend essentially the next six months just researching, searching, searching, searching for another partner to work with. Um, and I found my partner that I, I work with now, and they're actually based out in New York. I was just in New York with them a couple of months ago. And so we've spent the past like two years, like really finishing it, but also making it to where you can use it not only for cannabis, but really for any substance that requires titration. I have questions, so. but Lulu, it seems like you wanted to ask something. <laughs> so I jumped on because that's how Jacoby and I actually met. We both had a software that we were making for the cannabis space, and that's how we connected. So, um, you know, it wasn't our software things didn't pan out, but our partners for this education platform. And I think we had a laugh, May, when we talked about, and Jacoby's in the same space, you know, we help groups design apps, but... You know, someone comes up, I feel like sometimes we're like the new doctors instead of someone going, hey, so, you know, I have this thing on my body. It's like, hey, I have this idea. It's going to be great. How much is going to be like, it's going to take you what, two months and maybe like $5,000. And you're just like, whoa, you know, like it, it's, it's really, really complicated sometimes depending on how, you know, robust you want things to be. And I'm just super proud of you, May, for 
sticking it through and going through this normal process of these tech entrepreneurs because everything you're talking about is so commonplace and just really proud that you guys weathered the storm and we're at a place now where (laughs) it's never done. done. And Apple just opened up the ability to accept apps. So like you guys did it. You waited. We did it. You You did it. So good job, girl. And we, um, our beta will be done probably in the next 10. Like I just saw a little flash of my beta. Like, you know, they're like, we're just doing tweaks of our beta. And then we're going to do a full launch at the beginning of the year. So, whew. (laughs) That's amazing. Shout out to you. Shout out to you. Apps are hard. You started to talk about... It really applies to much more than cannabis. It's really like anything that probably alters, I don't know, your state or like requires you to like take it slow. Can you talk about what are some of those other things? And like, how does the app work to help with that? Yeah, so essentially... um, So we'll like... I'll focus on cannabis first, and then I can say kind of what we have in mind for the future. As we all know for cannabis dosing, it is incredibly specific. There is no one size fits all and weight has no, weight means nothing in cannabis. You know, I have like giant 280 pound XUH linebackers who will just take two milligrams of cannabis and be fine. And then I have little adorable, fragile looking 90 pound aunties who like 20 milligrams of THC is their jam. So what our app does is essentially you sign in, you choose the symptoms that you're, you're wanting to kind of track. So, you know, like I'll just say I'm the user. I, I want to use it for low back pain And then, you know, I would choose low back pain. And then one of the issues that I found with cannabis and with cannabis oils specifically is that there's no standardization. It's really hard because it'll be like, oh, this, this, you know, bottle has a thousand milligrams. How much do I, how much of this thousand milligram bottle do I take? So you put it into a calculator and the calculator essentially figures out your dose and then it asks you pre and post questions for whatever you're trying to to work on. So we we went with the most common symptoms that cannabis helps. So kind of pain, sleep, anxiety. Those are the three that we've started with. So, you know, for low back pain, it'll start you it'll be like monday this is day one you're gonna take one milligram you're going to rate your pain before and rate your pain after day two you're gonna do two milligrams you're gonna rate your pain before rate your pain after it goes along with how long it takes thc to metabolize so it has like all of these you know like set alarms because we know how how fast or slow THC metabolizes depending on what method you're using. And so those are kind of built into the app, right? And then it gives you these beautiful graphs to really help. And then like, so say for someone who's more experienced like myself, and you know, I have a new flower and I want to see if it helps my creativity, I can use it for that. 
it's for like inexperienced users, but it's also for experienced users who want to specifically, you know, like hack a certain symptom. Cause I know there's like, for me personally, there's certain strains that make me feel creative. There's ones that, you know, make me want to clean. There's ones that help me to focus. And I might not remember that. So that's what the app and the graphs also do is like, say you're like, oh, I used that strain like four months ago. And I'm pretty sure it was the one that helped me to be creative. It would have all of that stored. So it's kind of like it's a dosing app, it's a journal, and it's just really a personal guide for the user to like really create something that's individualized. There's nothing worse than uh, saying, you know what, before I do the dishes, I'm going to smoke this J. And then realizing this is not the J that's going to make me do the dishes. This is the J that's going to make me sit on my ass. <laughs> and I make that mistake yeah. every week. Maybe I'm just not going to do this. Every week, right? (laughs) Yeah. So so this is something that would be helpful for you then because you could be like, oh, it was this Gorilla Glue or was this Blue Dream from this dispensary. And patients are also able to preload their products, which I think is really important because we wanted to create something that could be used in any market. You know, so it's not just the products that are available in California and it's not just the brands. It can be, you know, what you're growing, right? It can be what you're sharing with, you know, your community. So because that was also really important to me was to not create something that was specifically designed for big cannabis brands. Yeah, I love that. How do you deal with the fact that like strains are not, exactly the same everywhere you go. Yeah, no, you're totally right. You know, we have uh, like a, a lab testing to where you can kind of put in the lab testing. And then we have like a, you know, to where you can choose like terpenes because we all know indica and sativa really doesn't mean anything. It's morphology. You know, sativas are long and thin, indicas are short and fat, but the effects are really cannabinoids and terpenes. So that's kind of what we focus on, but not everybody has lab testing, right? And for a lot of states, it's just cannabinoids. They're not necessarily testing for terpenes, but anyone in the cannabis space can tell you that that terpenes are really what differentiate. You know, if you roll with a bunch of terpene heads, I'm a total terpene head like you know beta caryophylline is hands down my favorite followed by limonene I can like instantly smell it I know what it smells like and so that's kind of what we focus on too is like for the people who don't have lab testing you can do it based on aroma um, although it's not as good but here in my state Anybody can test their cannabis for for terpenes for like 50 bucks. So I always recommend that if you find something that you love that's not tested by a dispensary that you're growing, then test it. I don't know how other states are. I just know mine. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. All right. So we got to wrap up here pretty soon. Can you tell us where to find the app? Because I think most of our people on the East Coast here. Tell us about where to find the app and anything... uh, 
coming up for you in the future? What you're working on? Yeah. So, you know, we're like predominantly, you know, focused on the app. So it's going to launch in the beginning of the year. We have a website. It's Aaliyah Cannabis. So Aaliyah is actually the boats that the Polynesians, specifically Samoans, use to navigate the Pacific. So this is really like a tool for you to use on your cannabis journey because cannabis is your cannabis journey is constantly evolving. You know, like my cannabis journey has never been static. It's constant, right? It's evolving. It's always different. And, you know, I think that our probably most up-to-date media is our TikTok. So we are Malie Cannabis. Or wait, I lied. We got kicked off for being Malie Cannabis. So we are Malie Clinic on TikTok. Man, they're harsh. We've been dealing with that with Instagram for like the last couple months. Like... It's a cold world. Ooh, Instagram's polling everyone. They've pulled like half my half my people and put them back up. Yeah, no, social media is really it's rough for the cannabis space. You forget how dependent you are on these platforms. It's like the streets you drive on, yeah. it's all good till the street doesn't let you like till they shut it down. You know what I mean? You take it for granted. Right. And it's uh it's not like it's publicly yeah. funded. It's these businesses they're they're not playing around well cool it was really 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 great to hear about uh your story starting both of these companies i really find it inspirational because honestly both companies are like very realistic for people to start like it wasn't like you went and got like five million dollars to go open some new lab facility right like it was very attainable and you were able to leverage uh your family and like your close network to make that happen, which for the record, I don't think anybody's like extended family is as dope as yours from what it sounds like. However, we can use the people in our networks and close to us to try to, to recreate some of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, you know, just the cannabis community in general, you know, was, it was them just as much as my family, Mm. you know, that like put me on like, you know, Lulu bringing me to you guys, right. Things like that. Oh, I totally see why you passed the Lulu vibe test. That's the most important test in <laughs> cannabis. Like screw terpenes and cannabinoids. It's the Lulu vibe test. If you pass that, it's you're all Lulu good. Uh, yeah. That's a real thing in our rebel world. Like if it if you don't pass the Lulu vibe right? test, peace. Bye. Yeah, no, Lulu is amazing. I love you, sis. Thanks for bringing me here. <laughs> I love you too, May. I can't wait to... Uh... Maybe do a Ravel event out in uh, Honolulu at some Ooh, point. Ooh, let's go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I got venues, everything unlocked. Nice. Anytime. Let me know. Anyone nice. who wants to do anything here, we're always happy to collaborate and to connect you with local, you know, like local people who are doing, you know, Hawaii is incredibly accepting, especially in the cannabis space. We have so so many amazing people here so yeah we'd love to have you oh, we should do this jacoby i'm doing it we my roommate through college was hawaiian and he would always cook for us when we were drunk and like all i want to do is go <laughs> eat in hawaii <laughs> shout out to mason yes yes hi mason <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well it was a pleasure thank you for everybody that joins on youtube people that check out the podcast and any other platforms really was an honor to hear 
your story and your journey. So thank you for joining us so much earlier in your day. But it is the evening for us and much love. We love you, May. 